everyone. How's it going today? I have a couple of announcements before we get to our show. Very, very excited about the launch of our Path 11 TV. We have a lot of new footage coming out for 2021, but the thing that I am most excited about is this new perk that we are giving to our subscribed members. I'm going to be inviting people who maybe we have either met on the podcast, Path 11 podcast, or just through my own travels, or maybe some suggestions that we get from Path 11 TV subscribers, but we're hoping to bring somebody on Path 11 TV each month, but it will be in a private Zoom room session, very similar to what we did with Suzanne Northrup. So the people who subscribe, they were able to come into the Zoom room and get a free reading. So we're very excited about that. Keep checking back. And that is only for people who are subscribers to Path 11 TV. Now, arriving in 2021, we have the 2020 Afterlife Awareness Conference. There's new videos that we are posting up. And uh, due to the pandemic, this Afterlife Awareness Conference, it was the 10th year, but we had to hold it online because we couldn't travel. So uh, that is now going to be available on Path 11 TV. We also launched another series called Ask Dr. Death. We have two new episodes there, and that's hosted by Dr. Terry Daniel and Dr. Karen Wyatt. We also have coming in late January, Shortcuts on the Path. And this is a new short documentary series that will educate you about float tanks, salt caves, music therapy, hypnotherapy, mediumship, shamanism, and much more. So we have one coming out in late January about salt caves. And we have a bunch of apps now for the Path 11 TV. The quickest way to find the one that is most compatible with your device is to go to path11tv.com, scroll down, select your device, and download the app and watch Path 11 TV anywhere uh, that is most convenient for you. So thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in, listening. Uh, Head on over, get your free seven-day trial at path11tv.com. And now for the show. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Path 11 podcast. We have a near-death experience story today, and I know that you guys love to hear about these stories because it just gives us all so much hope that there is life after after death. There is something more out there. So I would like to introduce you to my guest today, Steve Weber. His life partner wrote a book, he and his life partner wrote a book on his beautiful near-death experience called The Place Between Here and There. And Steve is actually going to for about maybe the first 15, 20 minutes, go in to tell us what this near-death experience was like. And he ended up writing a book about it. And I'm going to be able to ask him a bunch of questions once I hear uh, more about his near-death experience. And one of the things that he mentions um you know, when he talks about his near-death experience and how his book has helped other people is that it can be very healing for those people who are grieving from a devastating loss of a loved one. And you know, guys, we cover um, topics on so much, you know, grief and loss, the Afterlife Awareness Conference that we do, um, you know, each and every year. So I would love to welcome Steve, a fellow uh, New Yorker. He lives down Long Island. Uh, Nice to have you here today. Well, such a pleasure, and thank you um, for having me on and uh, sharing uh, your audience with me. I appreciate the opportunity. 
Yeah. So, okay. So take me, take me back, take me back to uh, the day that your life completely changed. What happened? Well, you know, you would think that uh, being involved in a near death experience on a motorcycle is something that, uh, that wouldn't be something that, uh, you know, you'd want to keep in your life, but, but by far it was the most meaningful experience one of the most meaningful experiences I've ever had. And um, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about myself is that uh, I was a Harley rider, a biker all my life. I loved riding Harleys. And I was also a computer guy. And that was basically my life is, is I rode my Harleys. I took care of the computers for many clients. And I was a stay-at-home dad. That was my focus of my life. And um, one afternoon, uh, Saturday afternoon, excuse me, Sunday afternoon, I was driving out east, eastern Long Island here and uh, out towards the Hamptons where, where uh, you know, world famous Hamptons, just driving out for some barbecue. And, and uh, I was stuck in traffic and people were going over to the side of the road to like make a right up ahead to get out of traffic. So very foolishly, I did the same thing. And just as I got to an intersection, an SUV came and broadsided me, T-boned me, like smashed into me, and the lights went out. I um I didn't know anything at all had happened. It was uh it was just so quick. And the next thing as I knew is I was rising up through the clouds. Not that I was having a near-death experience at that time, is I was actually in a helicopter and I was being airlifted to Stony Brook Hospital, one of the premier um, uh, medical institution, trauma centers in the world. If it was anywhere else, I would have died. I had a broken spine. I had, uh, I had, um, oh, so many injuries. I had a shattered hip. I had so many broken bones, internal injuries. Um, wow. I was, I was dying. And, um, and finally, when they stabilized me on the outside, I was laying in my hospital bed, but on my inside, I was in a place I called between here and there. It's not where you go when you pass, but it's not here. It's kind of like an in-between spot, very similar to like, I guess what um, Catholics would call purgatory, but it's not a place of punishment. It's a place of preparation to either prepare you to go into spirit or to return back to earth for human incarnation. Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, and as you're saying, like between here and there, I'm wondering, is that is this space where you were different than lives between lives? Um, Because I've I've heard people say that uh, maybe when there's a full transition from the physical body into spirit, that people will spend this time in this space between lives and then, um, you know, reviewing, doing whatever it is they do there and then eventually coming back into the body. So is it this do you think it's the same place or is it also something different because you're you're here in this physical body you're leaving it for a short time and coming back into the same physical body okay so um very close i mean that's very close as i started uh before having this experience i was a zero on the spirituality scale so i wasn't aware of what other people uh have experienced but now having shared my story and getting some feedback that's very similar to some of the things that happened to me. I had what's called an awareness is that, uh, is that I synced with the all that is. I shared all of my experiences with the all that is. And then I learned the wisdom, what I call the wisdom of the universe. And that's very common 
that people have afterlife experiences that they experience. The other thing that they often experience is what they call a life review. And I also had this life review and it was one of the most remarkable, enlightening experiences anyone could ever have. Um, like I said, is that, uh, is that I was in this place and, and at first I didn't know anything anything was different at all. I really didn't, is that it was so deeply rooted in my life. And what I was taught here, the very first lesson was how to see spirit in everybody. And it wasn't that I was sat down and said, okay, Stephen, spirituality 101, uh, this is how you see spirit. No, it wasn't like that. It's that I was brought, I was, I was given experiences that allowed my inner teacher Oh, namo gurudev namo. That means your inner teacher allows my inner teacher to learn the lesson. So, for example, when I went to learn about spirit, is to see spirit in everything. What first is I was shown is I was shown people from my life, and I everything looked normal. But then I was shown people who I haven't seen in years, but they hadn't aged a bit, and that seemed very odd. Then I saw people who I those same people as older people. I saw them as younger people. I saw them as men or women in all different ethnicities. I was seeing, being shown the same people over and over again with all different appearances. And really what I was being shown was, was that part of you which never changes. That is the spirit inside of you, that part that goes on forever. Your outside changes. You know, you're not a boy or a girl or a, or a father or, or a husband or a wife. You're a spirit first. That's your true incarnation. And so that was one of the first lessons that I learned by seeing people in different shapes and sizes is that I was able to recognize that part of them which goes on forever. And that's the spirit inside everyone. And then the next things I noticed is that I started to feel the spirit in everything as I started to realize everything had a spirit. And then all of those spirits are connected. We are all connected. We are all one. Just as cells in a body, all those cells have their own life and they live and they die and they reproduce. But all those cells make up you. Not, no, none of those cells know of you. They just know of each other, but they make up you, the consciousness of you. And that's what we all do together. All of our spirits together make up one consciousness. And that's the consciousness of the creator. The creator and the creation are one. And that was, uh, and that was one of the most important lessons I learned at that place. Wow. So when you met, you refer to it as the all is one, correct? The all is one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When, when you were, um, you know, with that presence in your near-death experience, um, can you tell me what that felt like? Um, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to quite a few people who, who have had near-death experiences, and uh, everybody always says there's like this overwhelming love um, that they're feeling. And uh, I was wondering if you experienced the same thing. Okay, so, so many people will see like a divine light, and I didn't experience any of that. I didn't experience like beautiful, beautiful scenes and colors. Everything for me was deeply rooted in my life. And, um, and, but I think that's very common is that 
wherever you are, the lessons are the same, but how those lessons are brought to you are very different. It's according to your life and what is going to be the most informative and the thing you're gonna be able to relate to the most. I was presented with the scenes I was presented because that I would be able to understand them. So now the question was asking is, is did I see like a God? Did I feel that? Is that the bliss that I felt was that, was that I didn't have any, any hate or animosity towards anybody. No one had any hate or animosity towards me. I was free of any concerns. All of a sudden, if all of the troubles that you were experiencing were gone, imagine how good you would feel. That's what I felt, is that I felt the presence of the all that is. It was all that surrounds, surrounded me. It, it was the context under which everything was, but I didn't see like a spirit, a God. I sensed it all around me. Granted, I was in a place between here and there. I wasn't totally in spirit, but I wasn't totally here. So it may be something more, something else. But where I was is no, it was such a sense of love and bliss. And so critical to this was the life review because the life review is after I learned what I call the language of the universe or, or syncing with the Akashic record, learning all that is, the wisdom, is that the next thing is I was given a life review many times. What I did is now that I had this special insight and I could see spirit, then I reviewed my entire life, some parts faster than others. And then my life took on a different meaning. All of a sudden is... I can, now that I could see spirit, everything that happened in my life had a dual meaning, had deeper meanings to it, is that all of a sudden, everyone had a different reason for experiencing different parts in life. And I saw the wisdom and I saw, I saw all the different events in life. And but I got so much more out of it because that number one is I I've already lived through it once. And then number two is that now I've synced with the Akashic record. I have this knowledge. And so, and so all of a sudden, like some of the worst things that happened to me in my life were the most beautiful things, the things that I learned the most from in my life reviews. And one of the most important lessons that I took from that is that don't have hate or animosity towards anybody or anything even yourself. So many times people go through life feeling shame and you should never feel shame. You should learn from your mistakes, but don't cause blockages that'll stop you from learning from your mistakes. That's critical because that those life experiences are everything. Now, listen, you may want to be a monk and be spiritual and live on the mountain. And that may be your path in life, but really your real path is to experience life. Get as many experiences as you can in life. And then, and then you can draw upon those experiences in your life review. That's what brings the bliss, is to understand why you've had life, to understand why certain people are in your life or why certain things happen to it. Those are the things that really brought the bliss, at least to me.
Yeah, let's keep talking more about this life review, because um, maybe you can provide even more understanding like you just did there. I mean, I heard a lot in that, but um, maybe understanding to people who are really going through a difficult time, or maybe they've had a lot of trauma, or maybe they really are kind of stuck in their own rut. And like you said, having their own shame, their own guilt. And sometimes people can maybe stay in the energy of why me? You know, why is this happening to me? Can I ever get a break? It seems like, you know, once I clear something up, another thing happens. And what I'm hearing with the wisdom that you got was that when you're doing your life review, you were able to see it. Like you said, you had been through it already. So you knew that it had happened. But seeing it maybe through the eyes of spirit, you had a better understanding of maybe why you were put through those trials and tribulations and could see the learning and the growth that came from it. And then you probably felt this this love and understanding of having been put through whatever you were put through in life. So how can we help people to look at it kind of without having a near-death experience through the eyes that you have to maybe embrace some of the difficulties that they have either already have gone through or that they can brace and prepare for what might come in their life and not look at it so much as they're doomed or I have bad luck or nothing ever goes my way. Um, how, how can we help people to look at the trials and tribulations of life a little bit differently? Well, that is so true. So many people go through their lives, their worst traumas caused by themselves. And and uh, it is essential you rise above it because that so often the shame that you feel from a situation prevents you from really drilling down into understanding it really does cause blockages. But what I could do is I could share how this experience helped me with one of the most difficult traumas in my life is that, um, is that for the longest time after having this experience, you know, I, I kind of like wrote it off to like it being the drugs or, or being, you know, I had a head trauma that it wasn't real. You know, I really, I totally wrote it off. I didn't believe it. I just thought it was a dream. It wasn't until I, um, I uh, lost my son. That's a beautiful 20 year old kid. You know, it was the love of my life. Uh, you know, he was on a scholarship to one of the best universities in the United States and championship wrestler and a musician. Just wow. He just he played the horn like Dizzy Gillespie. He played the uh, the the piano like Mozart or the guitar like Jimi Hendrix. He was just such a great kid. And he died from a heroin overdose. And uh, that was awful. I mean, that really that really caused me to do some soul searching. And it was with the help of my co-author, our book is called The Place Between Here and There, and it details like so much of not only the afterlife experience, but coping with the loss of a child and how the lessons in that other place helped me to really understand things and make sense of it, is that as I was coming to terms with it and realizing that that really was a real experience and that Perhaps my son was experiencing so many of the things that I was experiencing because I really was. I felt so blissful there and I was learning and I was growing and all the things that troubled me, you know, didn't trouble me anymore. You know, I really felt such a love and, and knowing that my son was in that place is that really it did bring relief because one of the worst fears everyone has is the fear of death. And, and to put that fear aside, 
it's uh, that was part of it. But but really, a big part of it is that I blamed myself. I really did. Is that I thought, how did I fail as a parent? You know, no parents assert a perfect parent, and you do things that you wish that you had second chances on, and you really can develop a sense of regret. And then, but now having all of those experiences and having been a father and doing all the things that I really tried to do my best at and, and seeing life and having opportunity to have those life reviews and really to learn and see is that all of a sudden as I realized that my son is okay and he is in a beautiful place and that although I won't get to see like the weddings and the, and the graduations and the grandchildren, there is a higher self you have a higher self and and someday you'll all be together and when we're together again things will make more sense and you know what that did is coming to that understanding it really gave me my son back because for the first time is all i thought of was the grief associated with losing him and the circumstances I forgot all the fun times we had. And really, he was a character. You know, we had a lot of fun times. You know, he was a wrestler. He would beat the ever-loving you-know-what out of people in wrestling. (laughs) And then would serenade them with this beautiful music. Like, it would be like, what? That guy can, like, play this awesome music. And, uh, And so, but I got all that back. I lost that for a long time because that all I thought was the grief every time I thought of my son. But now when I released that grief, all of a sudden I got those memories back. And knowing that, that he is okay, that it's not the end, that he's living and growing and he may be back in spirit or he may stay in spirit or he may be back in a physical incarnation. Who knows? But one thing certain is that I will see him again. And he is happy, and there is life after after life, and um, and that's what brought me the most amount of peace. Is that it helped me, it gave me the strength to overcome overcome the loss of a loved one, and to understanding that there's life after life, and that's and that my son is at peace, and that's what brought me peace. And what was your son's name? Nicholas. Nicholas. Okay. So we'll honor and say hello to Nicholas today. Um, and now with, with the death of your son, so this accident, your near death experience happened before your son passed. Um, do you think that this near death experience and experiencing all that you had happened before he passed? So you could have this understanding maybe to continue to live for yourself, you know, it's because the, the death of a child is I think one of the, strongest, toughest, most emotional losses that I think people can go through, you know, and a lot of parents who have lost children um, have a really hard time kind of rebounding, coming back, wanting to participate in life, you know, can really um, get very stuck in grief. I mean, it's not that anybody ever heals per se, you know, over grief, but like grief will change and it can, um, the energy of it can shift and move. I mean, that love and, and that loss will always be felt when we are, you know, attached to the physical reality that we're in. Um, But, you know, I'm just wondering, as I'm hearing your story, if this near-death experience really needed to happen before Nicholas passed in order for you to maybe continue on with your life and have a better understanding. What are your thoughts about that? I spent a lot of time thinking about it because that it it almost seems like divine intervention. 
Mm-hmm. Is that there is no way when I tell you my children were my life. I was a stay-at-home dad. I I I was elected member of the school board. Like I was so I was such a committed parent. And it really, it really was my life. And I don't think that I would have been able to get past it if it wasn't for that experience and of that near-death experience and knowing of the life after life. And and why did that happen to me? Like it is such a beautiful grace. Like I wouldn't go to, back to a date before the accident to do things differently. As profound as I'm injured now is that it was the greatest gift. And, and it's more than just losing my son, which is awful, is that it gave me such insights, insights into writing this book with, with my life partner, Kathy, and really reaching out and, and, and letting people know. It's like, I just don't know. It almost seems so divine. Is there were other things that happened to my, me in my life, but but no, the two, at least the way I see it, is they're definitely connected. I don't believe in divine outcomes in a sense like things are set, but from what I saw in that place and what I've learned afterwards, it's more like a play. It's like the scene is set and there are likely outcomes, but but nothing's guaranteed. You have to live it. It's like you got to play the games. You know, there's an old adage in sports, you know, that's why we play the games. There's likely outcomes. And so did did it have to happen that my son passed? No, I don't think it had to happen, but it was likely to happen given the circumstances. And the accident, did that have to happen? No, but it was likely to happen given the circumstances. You know, and so yes, yes, the two are linked. They are linked, and uh, and each day, I begin to understand even more and more the true meaning in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gosh, this just um, reminds me of you know so many things and things that I've heard some of my teachers say. Like one of them, something to the effect of, "You can only go as high as as low as you have gone." Right. So you know, you being brought to you know the depths of losing your son, practically losing your life. You know, going through this this motorcycle accident, um, but then it's like look at the understanding that you have that is so far beyond even what I can conceptualize, even though I'm like a mass reader of everything of consciousness and I'm an energy healer myself and trying to understand it, you still have a knowing that I can intellectualize, but not yet completely feel at the being level because I haven't experienced that. You know, it's almost like I think people that listen to this podcast and listen to your story, it's like we want to embody that so much. You know, we want to feel what you're feeling. Well, one of the greatest gifts that come from it is that the most important lesson that I would love to share with everybody is that is that the spirit, the ability to see spirit is so essential in your life in the here and now. It really is because that so many times when people often ask, do I see spirit still? I do. I see spirit in everybody. And so do you. So do all of us. And that's the real key is that I use that in my life. Like when I'm in business meetings is that I try to sense the spirit spirit in everybody in the meaning, in, in the meeting, because that I want to understand in the same way 
that seen spirit in my life review gave me the ability to see why everybody was in a certain situation. That gives me the ability to see why people in the, in like meetings are in a situation or or other things is that is that now I understand why they're there and I could understand what motivates them and truly not to take advantage of them but to really find a solution that really benefits everybody in finding that win-win situation in everything that you do. It's the ultimate law of attraction by treating the people around you ethically and spiritually. You create this own reality for yourself and everything around that is based upon ethics and spirituality. That intuition enables you to see inside people and really find out ways of fulfilling the reasons why they are in situations, not only the physical reason, but the spiritual reason. Ethics and spirituality work in today's world. And that's one of the lessons that I take back with me. And my life has been so much better better since I've really begun to really look for spirit in people and then to apply ethics in it. And it really does. It works as a counterbalance to all the craziness that we face in the world today is that is that by really acting in a spiritual way and acting in an ethical way, you change all that you touch because they begin to act in a spiritual and ethical way. And if you've ever felt powerless with all that's going on in the world, now you have power, but by being an ethical and spiritual person, you can spread that in the world and push back against all this nuttiness and really make a difference. That's what spirituality is in the world today. And that's the greatest lesson that I've learned from that place to take into my everyday life. So when you're saying that you try to see the spirit, is it the all is one, like the great spirit, or is it the individual spirit soul of the person? Awesome question. Okay, it's number two. It's the individual spirit and the soul. But really, you have to get to number one first. And that's really, you know, you know it really is because that in order to, it's like a meditative process. And I do this with the sound ascension. A lot of people call it healing, but I play the gong and, and do a meditative practice. But, but you get the mind into that state of mind to really get into that meditative healing sense of mind. And, and, and to get there, the first thing is you have to, at least I do, is get with the all that is. Understand that we're all connected and tune into that energy. Tune it. It's there. Feel it. You know, if you think you feel it, you really are feeling it, most likely. Tune into that energy first. Then once you tune into that energy, that's the circumstances under which everything is. Now, tune into the individual energy of people. And you can feel it. Like sometimes you ever feel someone, oh, they have great energy. Or someone, whoa, keep away from them. Feel that. Tune into that. It's both of those things. First, get with the all that is. Understand the context under which everything exists. Then tune into the individual people. Feel who they are, why they are, the path that's taken them to get here, and how can you find a way to bring everybody together to create something even bigger than all of you. That is, that is the way I approach it, both in the everything and the individual spirit. 
Ah, beautiful, beautiful. Now, um, just changing gears a little bit, I'm curious, have you attempted to make contact with your son in spirit? Um, you know, have you had any conversations with them? Is there more proof that he's been able to give you about life after life? Um, yes, and there's so much of that. And, uh, and so we only have a short time today. I didn't go into a lot of it, but it's all in the book, The Place Between Here and There. It's available on Amazon. But, but the the way my son has communicated to me is through signs and synchronicities. And that is that has had the most profound effect on my life because it really does show communication. You can have communication with lost loved ones. And, uh, and to some people, it's like a voice through a clairvoyant or through a psychic. And for me, it hasn't been so much in that way. It has been more through signs and synchronicities. One of the Biggest ones is through a Catholic saint, uh, Saint Teresa, and uh, and although I'm a Catholic, um, this isn't particularly according to the Catholic faith. You know, there are many paths, many many different ways to learn the lessons, and it appeals to you from your background. And because I'm a Catholic, it appeals to me from my background. And Saint Teresa, I was told that my son had a synchronicity with Saint Teresa. So it just so happens that Saint Teresa died on the day that my son died and she was canonized, made a saint on the day that my son passed. And uh, and to have this synchronicity, you know, those are those, wow, these what if moments that that you have, that you start to realize that a loved one is reaching out to you. We've had so many signs and synchronicities that it just, you know, it is such a feeling experience. But but the beauty in signs and synchronicities are that first you have to get past the oh wow factor. The oh wow factor is like, wow, I'm receiving communication. Oh, wow, isn't that cool? But once you get past that, you have to find what is the meaning in the message. And that's so true because we get these kind of messages all the time. And I'll give you like this example in the book that I just, it was just such a profound message is that as my co-author and I, we were walking on the beach and, uh, and we follow um, St. Saint, uh, Germain, the violet flame. And so my, uh, my partner, Kathy, was looking for a sign from St. Germain. And uh, so she was asking for violet beach glass. And so we looked all over and we didn't see the violet beach glass. And so she was disappointed because she was sending out this healing meditation to the world. And so she wanted an affirmation from St. Germain that, that her healing was reaching the masses, those people who needed it. And she just didn't receive it. So then on the way out, we saw this little Dalmatian puppy. That's like a little puppy with black spots on it. You know, just a little Dalmatian puppy. And we saw the answer. Uh, the owner, and we asked, what's the dog name? And she said, the dog's name is Violet. <laughs> and, and it was so strange because we were like, wow, we were looking for Violet Beach Glass, but instead of getting that, we get a dog named Violet. And this dog didn't look anything like a Violet dog. It was a Dalmatian, <laughs> like a one-in-one Dalmatians. Like, how was it named Violet? So, so, so my partner and I, Kathy, we walked away, and we thought, wow, isn't that strange? And I was like, no, Kathy, that means something. You know, the universe is reaching out to us. Nick is reaching out to us. He's trying to tell us something about that lady. And, and so we have to see her again. 
So roll it two weeks later, we see the lady again. And so we almost tackle her and we like violate, <laughs> violate and we told her the story. And that's what I mean about getting past the oh wow factor. Hmm. She said that she lost her son. Oh my gosh, wow. And, and that's why, that was the message is that we had to talk to her because she was under similar circumstances and wrestling with some of the same things that we were wrestling with. That's why Nick reached out to me. It was more than just reaching out to me to, to solve my pain. And part of that was, but it was really, it was spirit reaching out to help you to help somebody else. Sometimes spirit doesn't reach out for you. And it did help me. But really, Spirit was reaching out to help that beautiful lady who had that silly dog named Violet. And so, and so the long answer to your short question is, yeah, my son does reach out <laughs> in the most peculiar ways. Yeah, well, and you know, dog spelled backwards is God. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, so I will. I'll show you. Here's Violet, and it comes from the D-O-G, but G-O-D. Wow. It's, it's so amazing, and we have pictures in the book, like some of the things that we recount in the book, like, I just can't believe that happens, but... But, you know, it's all documented and we have the pictures and just like it is amazing. This journey has been such a difficult one, you know, especially with the accident and the loss of my dear son. But in other ways, it's been such a beautiful journey of realization and knowing that life is good and people are good, even when very sad things happen, that there's a meaning to life. And you can use that meaning in the here and now will bring you peace here and or anything else that comes afterwards to have that understanding, to feel that bliss, to know that there's something else for yourself and your lost loved ones, that this one time through life isn't just it. It isn't a one time. It's real. It's just as real as the universe is real. Hmm. Now, you and Kathy are also bringing healing to people, right? You mentioned um, doing your gongs, and you guys uh, use a lot with sound and meditation and bring people together. I, I know that might be limited right now with uh, COVID, but can you talk a little bit about that other part of your life and what the two of you are doing? What we do with the sound ascension is that is that we want to try to bring people to a state of mind that they can experience some of the thoughts that one has in the place between here and there to get connected to your higher self. So, so in order to really get connected to the consciousness of the all that is, the first thing to do is get connected to your higher self, that part of you which is always in spirit. So what we do is we use the gong and we use Reiki to put people in a relaxed state of mind so that they could connect to their higher self. And what we do is within the practice of Reiki healing, you have certain symbols that have a purpose in Reiki. And so we use what's called a friction mallet on the gong to spell out the different forms and shapes of this Reiki symbols to bring apart bring upon a certain healing or a certain outcome to, uh, to our patient. And, uh, and we don't do this on a, on a fee basis. It's, it's just basically for our friends and for 
people who are close to us. And we also do it in our workshops, which we, at least up until this point, haven't charged for. It's all about raising people's consciousness and getting in tune with the teacher that, that lies within. Om Namo Gurudev Namo. I bow to the divine teacher inside of us. So to connect you with that inner teacher, to connect you to your higher self, which connects you to all that is, that's what we try to do through our sound ascension therapy. And, uh, and we have a great time doing that. And then we also have our friends over our house. And when I say our friends, these are people we just meet at many like curtains or yoga classes. We just invite strangers over our house that have a, have a similar interest. And we just do our own curtains. We cook vegan food. We do crafts like we'll make Reiki wands or like little like crystal candles. You know, we just have a good time. Some people drink tea. Some people drink other things besides tea. We just have a great time and just just really enjoy and use spirituality in our lives because spirituality isn't just about sitting on a mountain going home all day. It's about experiencing life and having fun and feeling that spiritual connection between people. It's not about just pain and suffering and denial. It's about really enjoying life and using, showing that spirituality has a place here and can bring you riches here or, in, or any place else that comes after here. Now, I'm curious to know, because I know that you ride motorcycles. I, I don't know if you still ride a motorcycle. Are you able to after your accident? Well, first off is is I hope Kathy does not watch this. I fully intend to someday ride a motorcycle someday in the future. Okay. All right. Because I, I've ridden them since I was a tyke, like 10 years old. Wow. But, but like the town I live in is like, it's like, it's like an old fashioned town. Everybody's so close. And like, if you get sick on a Friday by, by Sunday morning, they're having a pancake breakfast to raise money for you. And, and like when, when I was injured, it's like, People showed such love. Everybody in town, they came to my house. They cooked me dinner for three months. They brought dinner to my house. They raised money for me. And like after showing all that love is that I feel like I just don't, I feel like it would be irresponsible of me to put them in that situation again. It's like, it's almost for other people is that, is that I don't, I don't want to do that. I mean, granted, uh, because I have all this metal in me, you know, a simple mishap can be life threatening, but, but knowing all the grief I would cause people, I would say, no, no, I won't. But someday I hope to live in a rural area, like on farmland and maybe have a recovery shelter for, uh, for abused animals. And, uh, and so if I was out in the middle of nowhere, uh, excuse me, out in the middle of everywhere, um, uh, I'd probably ride. Yeah. But, yeah. Maybe where there is no traffic, right? It's just kind right. of joyful riding at about 25 miles per hour. That'll be good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and when Kathy isn't looking, maybe I'd go. <laughs> well, one of the things that I'm curious about, cause I know, you know, I have uh, friends, family members that uh, ride motorcycles too. And there always seems to be a bit of a community, you know, with people who ride. And um, so I'm just curious to know if any of your motorcycle friends or people that, you know, you once hung out with, um, I'm curious to know what do they think about your transformation? You know, like you said, you weren't a very spiritual person and, and here you are now you're writing books about life between lives and, you know, and all of this. So like, do you, have you pulled some of these people in to share your experiences? Are they like, Whoa, get away from us. We don't know what happened to Steve. Uh, what's going on with that? Well, um, 
Yes. They think I'm nuts. <laughs> uh, but 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 my very best best buddy Larry, he's old Vietnam vet, and he understands these things. You know, it has been quite a transition. And but but also with riding a motorcycle hardly all my life is that I was very good at it. I really was. I you know, because riding dirt bikes all these years is I had a very high confidence level. And so I always felt, you know, around bikers. I, I definitely played the way I felt. I didn't pretend for anything because that I was just a very confident rider. And so, and so I, you know, bikers, they're all different shapes and sizes. There's doctors and lawyers and there's carpenters. There's everybody in between. There's, there's mothers, there's grandmothers. There's so many shapes and sizes. So, so that transition was, was fine. But the biggest transition was with my friends. And because that uh, people who I didn't ride with and uh, a lot of it was coming to terms with the loss of my son. And because that we were all like very close friends and and they were in pain, too. And they and they didn't want to talk about their children with me. That was very difficult. And I, and I could see the sadness because we did. We spent so much time together on football teams and wrestling teams that uh that really what I uh, what, what I began to do is I began to reach out to them. Anytime I would see them, the first things I would talk about would be my son. And I'd recall a funny time we had together. Then I would ask them about their kids. And uh, and it was those kind of things that really, uh, you know, you know, really helped, uh, you know, the healing process, you know, you know, so many things, it's, it's your mental state through the sound and doing the healing, but it's also the person that we are, or at least we try to be, is we try to understand what other people must be feeling. It's like we were talking before about sensing the spirit and by sensing the spirit in my friends, I could tell that they were hurting, hurting. And so that's the way that I applied it to it. And so, and so that's, that's one of the most important things is that, is that, yeah, yeah, there's, there's so much to healing. It's with the sound, it's with the meditation, it's the way you act and behave. But, but this is something that Kathy and I would bring through us every day through our curtains and, and meeting new people and spreading the love and just showing that, that, that you really can through spirit, you can have a great time and, um, and still be connected with the all that is. Oh, well, wonderful. Stephen, this has been just a wonderful time spent. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your wisdom, you know, the information that you had, um, you know, during your life review and giving that out to the world, writing your book. Um, again, the book is called The Place Between Here and There. Yes, show us a copy. That's a beautiful cover, too. Thank you. Uh, and it's also available in Spanish. This is all right. And so uh, both English and Spanish on Amazon. We have an audio book, which is beautifully done. And uh, we also have Kindle versions. And we have our website, info at betweenhereandthere.org. So it's info at betweenhereandthere.org. That's our email address. People routinely send us messages and ask us all the time questions. And, and we're not certified in anything besides <laughs> crystals, <laughs> crystal healing. But, but, but we, can be, we can share our experiences with, with people. And, uh, and, and so if you have an experience you want to share or you have a question, by all means, email us or just, or just search for our website. We're on Facebook and YouTube between here and there. And we'd love to hear from you. It's really important because it's not about a book or a workshop or the, the podcast. It's about all those things. It's about the message of love and life. 
Yeah, well, I would say you're certified in life, so that's okay in my book. <laughs> There's many people certified in many things, and they don't even grasp what you have grasped in life. So you are certified in life. I give my stamp of approval. So, <laughs> All right, Stephen. Well, thank you so much. And again, thank you for sharing um, your story with us. And I really encourage everyone who's listening, check out The Place Between Here and There. Check out their website. We will put that information in the show notes. Uh, if you have a question, if there's a story you need to share, if you want to go to their house and be serenaded with uh, with, <laughs> with sound, I think Stephen will say, come on in. Um, yeah. All right. Well, wonderful. Thank you all for listening. Thank you again, Stephen. And uh, please keep us in mind if you'd ever like to come back. We'd love to have you on as a guest. So thank you so much. Take care. Take care, everyone. Peace. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that show. And don't forget to head on over to path11tv.com. Grab your annual membership for $59. Remember, that is 40% off the regular price. So I really want you to take advantage of our launch deal of $59. You get over 75 hours of content that we have on there. So head on over to path11tv.com. Take advantage of the annual membership. All right, guys, take care.